very warm welcome back to the Leaders with Babies podcast. Thank you for listening. I am Farina Hefti. I'm the CEO and founder of our social enterprise Leaders Plus. And I've set up this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus fellowship program because I want to give you access to inspiration and really practical support and hopefully some new ideas so you can continue to progress your career whilst enjoying your young children or your, your young child in a way that works for you. So if you believe that you shouldn't have to choose between really ambitious career dreams and at the same time enjoying your baby, your toddler or your primary school child, and if you want to join a group of like-minded mums and dads, then definitely have a look at the fellowship. Applications are open now on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash fellowship. Now, if you are selected as a fellow, you join a nine-month program together with a supportive group of parents across sectors, all from very different walks of lives, very different outlooks, but who are all passionate about developing their career dreams and that actually we should have parents in very senior roles and that it's absolutely okay to both want that and also really love your children and want to spend time with them. And just practically... It's a nine-month program. You'll get a senior leader mentor who has experience of combining an ambitious career alongside young children and, of course, structured sessions with world-class experts facilitators to help you figure out how you can progress your career in the context of your child and just get some new ideas and, I guess, also protected time to think so that you can uh, figure out where you want to go and get the support from others around you in that group to get there and make that a reality. I guess one thing to say is that we're looking for people who are not just passionate about their own careers, but also who want to be part of the change to create a world where every parent can thrive at work, including their senior role. And we're looking for people who are willing to support others, be that other fellows or parents outside of the fellowship, to help them achieve the same thing. So if any of that resonates, then definitely take a look at leadersplus.org.uk forward slash fellowship and just one thing I want to say it goes without saying that we welcome mums and dads more than 10% of our last cohorts have been dads well actually still are dads and one thing just to keep in mind is if you're listening to this and thinking mm, I'm not sure if I'm you know the right, good enough or the right person research shows that women often and also ethnic minorities sometimes self-select out of opportunities so if right now you're hearing this and you're thinking, mm, is this for me or not? Then it's really worth setting up a quick call, which you can do via our website with a member of our team just to talk it through. Yeah, we've put that up there because we know that some people do tend to self-select out of things if they're not sure if they're good enough and so on. But I guess the main thing is if you're really passionate about your career and you want to help others and you're really passionate about your children and you don't want to live life like previous generations have then you're definitely a really strong candidate for the fellowship in terms of maternity leave we have about 20 to 30 percent of our cohort a year on maternity leave or share parental leave or adoption leave during the program because of that we've made it accessible to everyone with babies so it's absolutely fine if babies are on the meeting well the zoo, the, at the moment zoom meetings and we really welcome that i guess that's the whole spirit of the program but we also have a number of colleagues with older children and we have a separate group for those whose children are in primary school, which we've piloted it earlier in 2020 and now is a core part of our programme. So, yeah, we have some subsidised places available, including Hardship Fund for those who experience any 
financial difficulties and you can apply by 4th of March. But if you are interested, it's probably worth looking at it and starting the application earlier. But all the details are on the website. So that's enough from me for now. And I'm really looking forward to sharing with you the conversation I've had today. Today, I'm talking to Jasmine Paris. Jasmine is a vet, a scientist, a mom of two, and also a long distance runner and a very, very successful one at that. She has just completely changed expectations of what is possible for months. You might have seen that she was running really long distances, expressing milk on the way, and obviously dealt with expectations and reactions from people. And and I just love how she talks about the fact that, you know, the running makes her actually makes her happy and she shouldn't have to apologize for that. And also actually having a child in a way apparently makes her more successful at what she does in the running and I just thought it was so thought-provoking and inspiring so I hope you find you find that too and please do send her your appreciation on on Twitter and social media just because she's such a role model for many of us not for me with the running but definitely in terms of the combining the ambitious goals she has with, with children which I definitely can relate to I'm not sure I would ever end up a long distance runner I hope you enjoy a very warm welcome Jasmine to the podcast I am delighted you could make the time why don't we start with you introducing yourself who's in your family and what you do for your career hello my name's Jasmine Paris I'm married to Comrade Rolick and we have two children Rowan who's three and Bryn who's just six months And we also have a border collie dog who adds to the chaos in our household. I'm a small animal vet. I'm actually a specialist vet. So I work for the University of Edinburgh and I specialize in internal medicine. I also do some research. So I'm split about 30% clinical work and 70% research. Mm -hmm. And so I fully expected you to introduce your running as part of your work. So do you define your running as part of your hobby? And do you want to just talk a bit more? I mean, it's more than just running. It's not. Do you want to just tell a bit more about what you do? Absolutely. So yeah, I'm I'm not a professional, but I run on quite a high level. So um, I've represented Great Britain and I run pretty much every day. I'm a fell runner or hill runner, they call it in Scotland. So I like running in the mountains. Yeah, I've done that for about 12 years now. That's kind of my, I would call that my hobby, but it does form quite a large part of my, my life and, and what I consider to be mm. me really. And you do what people call ultra running, is that right? So you run very long distances. Yeah, so um, yeah, exactly. So I started off just running kind of standard distance races, but now I tend to run much longer stuff. So kind of fell races, hill races um, would be sort of 20 miles plus. But the longest race I ran was the spine race along the Pennine Way. And that was a couple of years ago now, and that was 268 miles. So that's kind of um, the range, the range of distances that I cover. Mm-hmm. What was the most recent one that you did? So I'm currently obviously coming back after having had my second baby and then getting back into training. So the last kind of big race I did was a race called the Petit Trot du Lyon, which is kind of the longest race in the UTMB series over in, in France. It goes through France and Switzerland and Italy. And that was around 300 kilometers and about 24, 25,000 meters of ascent in that time. So um, that took us just over four days because it's quite a technical course. We had to do some rope work and um, have helmets and crampons and cross glaciers. And it was a real adventure. Mm. I was in a team of three, that one. 
I can imagine. And that was within six months of having your second. That was that was before just before I got pregnant. I haven't done any races since I've had my second, but then there's been COVID, so there's not really been the opportunity to race um, at the moment. So hopefully, I've got some races um, lined up for later this season. If that happens, and if it doesn't, then I've got some other big challenges in my sights that I would be training for at the moment. And so you're not right now. You're on maternity leave, obviously. But when you're not, how do you? What does your childcare? look like I presume not only work will take quite a big chunk of time but I imagine training for such long races I'm imagining you actually have to spend a long time running yeah so when I was training for the the spine race that kind of multi-day race along the Pennine way I trained every morning basically I train every morning about 5 a.m because that way I know that I'll I'll fit it in, in in the kind of chaos of the day. If you leave it till late, and then it, it potentially doesn't happen. Also, my husband's a runner as well, so he tends to train in the evening. I train in the morning, and that we kind of have that shared that worked out that way. So my kind of typical day would look like if I was at work and um, before my second child was born, I trained at sort of five in the morning, five till seven. Then I worked kind of standard day, and my daughter went to either nursery or was with my mum who lives nearby and, and very kindly does some childcare for us and then I would pick her up my husband would would be running and then we'd all sort of come together for dinner and and bath time and bedtime so not much free time in the day but it was uh kind of thrive on it I, I, I love the mixture of things and I love to be able to fit my running in as, as well around my career and child. Mm. And did you always know you were going to have children or were you thinking I might become an athlete and a really, you know, a vet who makes a, a big difference. And, and actually, I don't have time for children. Were you ever weighing that up or was it always clear to you that you'd have children? It was, it was always clear to me that I wanted children. That was kind of, I guess that was one of the only things that was really clear to me. I wanted to be a vet from a, from a young age, but the fact that I wanted children was, was a big thing. Yeah. And to be honest, since I've had, since I've had them, it's, it's even better than I imagined it would be. Like I do often feel like, I was born to be a mum, you know, like I, I really have that feeling. I feel it makes me so happy. So I definitely, I'm definitely glad I did it alongside the kind of career and the sporting side of me as well. Obviously, I'm, I'm not an expert on anything with fertility and so on, but did you have to step back from the running in order to get pregnant? Is, is that something you have to do? Because I imagine when you run such long distances, that's quite intense for the body. I think it probably depends. But yeah, in my, in my case, it was kind of a natural thing. I had a really big season in 2016. I did quite a lot of things. And I won the World Skyrunning Extreme Series and I ran the UTMB, which is kind of like the biggest kind of ultra race in the world and finished sixth. And um, yeah, so I did I did quite a lot of things and, and ran the, the three big kind of UK hill rounds. So at the end of that year, I was kind of ready for a rest anyway. And um, so I think it was a natural thing for me. I just kind of backed off training and massively dropped the amount I was running. It took me a few months. A few months later, I was pregnant. It wasn't like something that I consciously, it was natural anyway. I was going to have a break at that point and it kind of worked towards getting pregnant. But I imagine that, that would be a thing. Yeah, as an athlete, you would, you might need to back off a little bit. I guess you should be having periods. If, if you're not having periods and that's not right as an athlete. So they talk a lot about this kind of relative energy defici deficiency syndrome in sport. And um, so if you're a female athlete and you're not having periods, then, then that's a problem. So I guess I've always been pretty aware of that anyway. So that was in my favour. Mm, interesting. Obviously, I'm very lucky in that I get to speak to lots of 
very inspirational women and men on this podcast. The reason why I set up the podcast is, is to have a wonderful reason to chat to interesting people like yourself. And many of the people who are very senior in the, you know, in the corporate world or management tell me that there were judgments that they faced as a result of both wanting to have a baby and be with that baby and at the same time wanting to be at the top of their game in whatever field they have chosen. Is that something that you faced at any point? To be honest, not so much kind of personally, like not so much sort of face to face. I've been aware that occasionally the, the vast majority of kind of feedback that I've had has been overwhelmingly positive. When I ran that race in a couple of years ago, the spine race, I was actually still breastfeeding my daughter at the time. So kind of one of the big stories around the around the fact that I won it was the fact that I was expressing milk for along the way at, at the aid stations. And that kind of generated quite a lot of media attention. But it also generated some people were sort of critical. And I was aware that there were some comments along the lines of you should be at home feeding your baby, not, not running races, which is that sort of, my daughter was already a, month, a year old by then. And, and there's no way that that sort of comment would have been directed at a man if they had a newborn baby, you know, there's just, it was this kind of discrepancy was, yeah, it was really stark to me, but um, the vast majority of comments and kind of feedback that I got was incredibly positive and lots of stories about how I'd inspired people. So I think, you know, that massive completely balanced it outweighed outweighed all any sort of negative comments so no in general everybody in my sport and and also in kind of my career in, in the science community and the veterinary community has been very very supportive and very positive about it about having children and also continuing to do sport and science mm. and how did you do it practically what what arrangements did you have to make in order to be able to express breast milk while running such an intensive race so I had actually planned to have my daughter weaned by then. I also didn't want to do it kind of forcefully in the end. It just didn't work out. For, we just, we weren't ready to do that. So she had beforehand, I expressed, you know, a good supply of milk and which she had frozen in the freezer to be able to be fed, bottle fed while I was away. To be honest, she wasn't even really that bothered about it. She really, it's just when I'm there, she liked, she liked that kind of attachment with me. But once I wasn't there, she wasn't really that bothered. And but anyway, she had it there if she wanted it. And so when I was running, I was actually just expressing so that I would be comfortable because you can't kind of just stop suddenly you would potentially I guess develop mastitis and also I wanted to maintain some supplies so that once I got back I'd be able to feed her again and when I got back it was it was fine she just started feeding again and so for me it wasn't a big deal it, I guess the first checkpoint these checkpoints in this race are every 50 miles the first checkpoint which was kind of that evening after the first day of running I expressed the full bottle of milk but after that it the kind of volume dropped because I guess I wasn't having that kind of constant stimulus to to produce milk and also my body was going through something quite extreme so the quantity of milk I was producing dropped and then once I got to the end and I was eating normally and kind of sleeping again and had my daughter with me the the volume just increased again I think the body's amazing or what it adapts to and it's pretty amazing nature really. Mm. It, do, it does seem to be just such a as you say it's, it's such a miracle that the body can produce and can produce milk even in extreme situations, which this is one, and you just did it anyways, even though people were, you know, you might have seen, the, I don't know if you saw the, the tweets after the run only or even during. Yeah, I wasn't really, I was kind of vaguely aware that there was sort of media following for for this, but it wasn't until I got back that I realized how big it seemed to have got. And were you tempted at any point to respond to the negative comments or did you just say, look, I'm going to leave that 
by or you were just on such a high after having completed it that you you thought I'm I'm going to ignore whatever someone says to criticize me here. To be honest, in fact, it was sort of my husband afterwards kind of mentioned that, that some of these comments had been made. I didn't actually sort of have time to read most of the stuff. Sort of the things that I read in the end were the people that had sent me personal messages about their stories and kind of which, as I say, were overwhelmingly positive and inspirational for, for me as well. So these were the rare negative comments tended to be maybe at the end of a, an article or something like that, you know comments on on an article so I didn't really read them particularly so no I didn't I, I didn't bother worry myself about spending it didn't seem like worth even spending the time responding to the, the small number of people that said something like that majority of the, of the comments were so obviously positive and, and inspired by it mm, it's a very inspirational story and what do you love most about combining both that very um, very ambitious running career with your very ambitious career in science and as a vet and having children what what is it that you love it can't be easy but clearly just talking to you 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 shine when you talk about all the things that you do so what is it that gets you going well I think you know sometimes sometimes it's hard sometimes you feel like you are doing none of the things that you that you're setting out to do well enough but the majority of the time I think it's really beneficial Running is my bit of daily self-care, like it's mental, it's physical. It it makes me ultimately a better mum. When I come back, I'm more ready to be a mum. And when I'm at work, it sort of is my chance to de-stress. So I, doing clinical work in the referral hospital is actually quite a stressful job, sort of like being a doctor in the hospital. And I find that, it, that running is kind of my way of letting go of all that, running in the hills. And it invariably I come back and I'm in a better mood that works as well when I'm doing full-time childcare and I'm on maternity leave so I think the kind of the balance of the three things works really well I need the kind of mental stimulus of being at work being in a team that intellectual kind of challenge so so that's kind of the work side of things I I worked hard to get to my career to the point it was before I stopped to, to have I didn't stop to have children before I before I started having children, I guess, um, before I took that little break. So it's not like I would want to leave that. That's kind of a part of me. That's what I've worked towards and I enjoy it. I want to continue the work. Um, I certainly need the running, I think, to make me happy and, and healthy. And and as I say, ultimately, I think it makes me a better mum at, at the back of all that as well. Yeah. And I think in terms of another thing that I love about it, I, th- I think it's good for my children to see that I have something other than just just them. I mean, that sounds wrong because um, because they are everything to me. But I think it's good that they grow up seeing that my that I have my own hobbies and that I've been able to continue my work and that you don't just you don't have to stop everything if you if you become a parent. And I think it's hopefully it's it's kind of it will be inspiration. It will be a I'll essentially be a role model for them in that sense as well. What has been today the toughest moment of combining the three in your life, and how did you deal with that, or what have you learned from it? I'm probably on the spot. I'm not sure that I can think of a single toughest moment. If you had to kind of talk about being a mum and, and the running side of things, the, the kind of biggest challenge was doing that spine race when I, that was the kind of nonstop multi-day race. Before that, I'd only been away from my daughter, who was a year at the ta- year old at the time. I'd only been away from her for a single night before. And I knew that this was going to take me at least three nights, potentially quite a few more. So actually, when I was lying up at the kind of on the start line with the other competitors, I think most people were thinking about the fact that they were about to run 270 miles in, in the middle of winter, carrying all their own kit and the kind of 
bad weather and navigating and that sort of thing. And I was actually really thinking about the fact that I was going to be away from my daughter for more than an, a single night and how would they cope with bedtime without me and, and kind of all those things. And interestingly, actually, after the first night, the first night was the hardest because then I was sort of still half of me, my head was still at home with them. But once I got through that first night, I was I was focused on what I was doing and, and it got easier in a way. I was also getting closer to home and, and to them. So I think that was kind of my biggest challenge in terms of being a mum and also a runner was that race. And I guess in, in terms of work as well, because I was training for that alongside working full time. So I was kind of, do, I did all my training running up to 100 miles a week sometimes. I was doing that on the back of a full-time job and and with a one-year-old child at home as well. So that was probably the biggest challenge to date. And when you did have those thoughts, what what did you do to cope with them? Did you plow through regardless or what what's your strategy for for dealing with thoughts of guilt or even just missing your children yeah so I guess when so so when I was actually doing the race and I sort of was missing my daughter I guess I was a big motivator to get to the finish line that was (laughs) something that nobody else maybe other people did have it but I had it you know for me it was quite that was a, a really sort of strong motivator to get to the get to the finish line as soon as I could was the full thought that my daughter would be waiting for there for me and kind of needed me back if you like it was also it helped kind of motivate me with the race because I knew that how how much I'd sacrificed in some ways not all those mornings when I could have kind of been lying in bed with my husband and my daughter and cuddling instead I was out training so when it actually got to the race it you know I thought to myself look how much you've sacrificed for this so far you really need to make it count you know that's my sort of feeling that if you're if I'm going to spend time away from my daughter and my husband now my son again as well I've got to make it count, you know. So I think that's a way in, in in the sense that you can kind of turn it around and use it in your favour having a child is that anytime you spend away from them, be that work or sport, you kind of really want to maximise how much it's worth because because you're making a sacrifice to make it possible. Mm, that's very inspirational. You're doing huge feats. I'm not exactly an advanced runner, but I've heard of the, what is it called? The runners, you know, like a boundary where you just feel you can't keep going. I guess a bit similar to the childbirth, you know, when to say the time when you notice you can't keep going, that is when the time when, I, when actually the baby's just about to come out. Is there anything that you've learned about how you to put yourself in the best place mentally to achieve such huge feats and to go past any of those thoughts or feelings? Yeah, well, I guess, interestingly, so I, I think that the kind of running that I do, this ultra running, it's interesting. A lot, a lot of people have, have asked me kind of about the, the fact that I, for example, in that race, the kind of race that we've talked about here, spine race, I beat all the men. And a lot of people asked me about that and about kind of women running long distances. And my, my answer to them is really that I think that a lot of ultra running, 50% of ultra running is in your head. So it's really it's, it, a big part of it is mental. So I think you're right to ask that question, sort of how do you cope at that point when you want to give up? I think one of the things is that once you've run a lot of ultra races, then you realise that you you kind of go through those pain caves, those dark moments, hitting the wall, whatever you want to call it. But if you just if you keep eating and you keep going, you look after yourself, you just kind of take one step at a time. Don't stop. Just keep moving. Then you invariably come out the other side of that and start feeling better again. And to some extent, that's experience. So once you've done it a few times, you realize that that is going to happen. You know, as, as long as you keep looking after yourself, as I say, and keep eating. And that's a real kind of positive 
experience, positive knowledge, because you can kind of fall back on that and rely on that to happen. So to some extent, it's a case of just kind of putting your head down, getting on with it and trying to distract yourself and and getting through that period because you invariably come out the other end and and start to feel better again. So part of it was experience um, and partly, I guess, when I was running that long race, for example, distraction. So it helped me to think about my daughter and think about the kind of positive things like what we would do together when we when I got back the first day we got back um, how we would spend it together or the kind of the funny things that she was doing at that time when she just learned to walk and was kind of would stop and examine a stone and and the kind of that wonder in nature that small children have that you you know when you kind of rediscover the world with them kind of moments like that that and it helped me to kind of think about positive things and whilst I was running so those were kind of ways I got through the difficult moments. Mm. Thank you for sharing. I want to talk about a completely different topic, which is share parental leave, which you and your husband took. What made you take share parental leave as a couple initially? I guess actually when I had my daughter, I was in the middle of a PhD. Honestly, when I took the leave, we were in the middle of writing a paper, which I was first author on and the revisions came back and I sort of felt that I should go back and join the team a little bit and to kind of be part of or doing the revisions to get the, the paper back through. And I mean, I wanted to do that as well. It wasn't just that I, I felt I should, but um, I kind of, it was something that, you know, it was a big focus that had been my focus at work for a few years and it was exciting time and, and so on. So I went, wanted to go back to, I felt it was right for me to go back to work about eight months, but we didn't think she was really ready to go to kind of childcare and nursery at that point. And my husband was keen to keen to have some time as well so he took um I think two two or three months off with her at that point and honestly I can say it was a really really positive thing it made sense for me to be off initially because it was part from anything I wanted to be but I was also breastfeeding so that's kind of a, a logistical sort of it'd be difficult for it to have been the other way around but once I'd had that time with with her on my own you sort of develop your own way of doing things and one you end up maybe becoming a bit controlling about the way that things should be done and it's easy to sort of not want to let go I guess a little bit but once my husband had also had some time when he was kind of solely in charge I had to let go at that point because I was at work and and they developed their own way of doing things and I think it's really positive for the future because once that's happened you're you're much it's much easier than to to kind of let the the other the other partner I guess do it their way and 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think that it's sort of in the long term has meant that that it's ended up being much more equal the childcare rather than I think if I just if it had just been me doing the parental leave and then we'd gone back to nursery then in the time that we were both together then it would have been more me than him looking after but the way it has been because he had that time when he was just doing everything himself with her I think he developed his own ways of doing it they sort of bonded together on without me around in a way that now means that we it's very equal I tend to run in the mornings, train in the mornings, and he does all the morning stuff and drop off to nursery and all that. And then it's the other way around with pickups. So I think it's really helped us to kind of, to equalise out that kind of aspect of parenting. And it really does change the dynamic, doesn't it? Because you do, you're forced to let go. You cannot be there to say how it should be done, which is really tough sometimes. But then on the other hand, that that is when you, you're given the chance to, for both to, to step up and for both to share things equally. If your daughter 
came to you in 30 years and said to you, hey, mom, by the way, I do want to have children and I also want to be a, a vet and I want to be involved in high performance sports. What, if any advice, would you have for her to be able to combine all of those things while at the same time being happy? Yeah, I guess I would definitely want to su- support her in that. And um, I would be, be hugely supportive. I guess things have helped me. So this is obviously not, um, it's a luxury that not everybody may have, but I'm really lucky to have family around to support. So if, if you can be cl- close to family or close friends that might be able to help, don't be afraid to, I think, rely on the kind of support network around you because your loved ones will want to help. And for us, it's been um, hugely beneficial to have kind of family around to help and support both when sometimes we race together me and my husband for example that long race that I last race that I ran before I had my son we ran that as a team together and left our daughter with with my husband's parents for for the week so that would be one thing another thing would be do what you're passionate about now for me you see running is is a joy I'm I'm passionate about it so I, I make it happen I think if it was something that I wasn't sort of so kind of excited by so exhilarated by then it would be I, w- I wouldn't be able to keep it up because you have to want it badly enough to make it happen uh, alongside the career and alongside the kind of family life. I, has, I have to want it enough to get up at 5am to train. So I think whatever it is that you're doing, be that your career or be that the sport that you choose to do, do something that you're passionate about. And if it, if you're not, then then maybe you should reconsider and, and kind of reconsider what your kind of choices are. For me, I, I think that's the main thing is that doing what I'm passionate about. Yeah, and then I guess the last little sort of thing would be, um, apart from the parental leave, which we've already talked about, go with the flow a little bit. Like with the second child, our house is increasingly chaos at times, but I've learned to let go a little bit and just kind of enjoy them, spend the time outside. They grow up so fast, so stop worrying about so much about the ironing or whatever else. Not that I ever worried about ironing, but just kind of enjoy the time with the kids. That's mm-hmm. and oh, and, and I guess last thing when I'm <laughs> advice would be whatever you're doing, give it your kind of hundred percent. If you're at work, give it a hundred percent, and then when you're not at work, just try and forget about it. Just be mum hundred percent, or if you're out running, just just do that for you and 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 don't leave behind the work and the family and you know just be out running I think that way you kind of maximize how much you get out of everything if you've decided that you're going to split yourself between things then the maximum way you know kind of the most the way you'll really kind of make the most of that situation is to kind of throw yourself in 100% when you're at work do that and when you're at home be a mum. That's all excellent advice you mentioned 5am starts a few times and I really want to ask do you have excellent sleepers and therefore you are well rested most of the time or do you have some magic way of coping with sleep deprivation? <laughs> I definitely don't have great sleep. Well, my daughter, I guess we tried to do the thing of her sleeping on a road. My son, he sleeps now with us. But the thing is, my daughter still wakes up in the night. So I sometimes end up doing this thing where I'm kind of like hopping between beds like I go to the toddler's bed sleep with her till she's back asleep and then I hear the other one start starting to wake up in the other room so I move back beds and it's like musical beds in the night sometimes I move like four or five times but I guess I've probably never needed as much sleep as some people do I know that I could do with more sleep 
I do what I can and get by. To be honest, I think the sleep deprivation training was one of my big advantages when I ran that multi-day race because I only slept for three hours in the three and a half days that it took to run the race. And I think other people would have struggled with that, but I was pretty well trained from my daughter who wasn't, as I say, a great sleeper and still isn't. So yeah, in answer to your question, I don't sleep enough, get as much sleep as I can and enjoy the kind of enjoy the chaos with the, the kids it's good it's good lots of cuddles anyway even if, if they wake up then at least you get lots of cuddles mm. and what is really interesting hearing you talk about this is that actually having you know sometimes people describe having children as a deficit well I'm, I'm doing this even though I have children but actually you're saying having children has helped to train me for this in some shape or form and I think that's quite powerful even if it's just on sleep is there anything else that where you have learned something from your children that has either shaped your professional practice as a vet and as a scientist or your running? I mean, I'll probably, after this conversation, I'll probably think of a, of, a, of a million things. I think, like, in terms of my running, it did change a little bit. I've said this to other people because I guess before, apart from work, I had, you know, my husband and, and running. You know, running was the kind of thing that I focused all my energies on. And when you have kids, that changes because I your whole perspective on life changes and they become, well, for me, very much became the most important thing. But at the same time, running kind of acquired this new side to it in the, that it was my only time when I was kind of away and just allowed to be me again, you know, just not mum, not necessarily just mum, I was me. And so I think that it kind of became this little sort of haven of when I could go back to court, sort of just being the Jasmine before, um, before I was mum. And, and so I think it's sort of, I think in a way, sort of having children made running became become a new sort of outlet. I would say to anybody that has kind of kids, and this counts for husbands, you know, for men as well. If you have something that like that, try not try not to give it up. Try try to be able to keep something that's you going alongside your kids. I think it ultimately makes you a better parent as well. So excellent. And to finish off, if someone is hearing this, pushing their pram right now in the park, it's drizzly, wet, and ugly they're on maternity or share parental leave and they are inspired by you and actually just want to follow their passion more, be that doing an ambitious career or maybe starting the NHS Couch to 5K, I think it's called, program. Is there one thing they could do this week to start following their passion? Make time for it and, and do it. There's never going to be a perfect moment. I think um, that's something that I've learned even more since having the second child is that it's becoming it's increasingly difficult now to get out and away to train even if I get up at five in the morning usually a child wakes up at the same time and then you have to leave with with somebody crying while you're walking out the door it it's really difficult but there's never going to be a perfect time and and once you're gone and they're happy and when you get back everything's everything's so you know okay it's nothing the world hasn't collapsed whilst you've been gone so my advice would I guess be just to take the ball by the horns and start and because the first step is, is, is you know kind of the hardest one once you've been out there and done your first training session you'll come back and feel I always feel better I always feel better after I've been running even if it's hard to get out and um, once I've once I've done it <laughs> It's a really positive thing. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jasmine. Is there anywhere you'd like to direct people to? Where can they find out more about your work and follow what you're doing or you're running for that matter? Well, you can follow me. I'm on Twitter. I think Jasmine K. Paris. And I also have a blog called Talking of Fells, 
which I'm actually probably I'll probably get around to writing a blog about my kind of my second second child pretty soon and um, but that's got the kind of big races and big kind of adventures that I've been up to so yeah if anyone's interested then those kind of platforms I'm not a big social media person but yeah I do a bit <laughs> fantastic thank you so much and and funnily enough you and I we connected via Twitter because someone said that you were just unbelievably inspirational. I'm not a big social media fan myself, but sometimes it really does lead to interesting conversations. So a big thank you for saying yes to my random Twitter ask to have a conversation. And yeah, I'll definitely be following you and your work. Best of very best of luck. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening today. If this has been helpful to you in any way, please help me make a bigger impact by sharing it with three of your friends today. I'm sure you'll know someone who really needs to hear these things. So it'd be great if you could share it with them. And obviously, if you want to support, like with any podcast, you know, five stars reviews really help with the visibility. So thank you in advance for your help. And as I said at the beginning, if you are looking to join a network of like-minded, ambitious individuals who are parents across sectors, then head over to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash fellowship to find out more. The next fellowship is starting in April and the application deadline is on 4th March. There are some subsidised places available, including hardship funds, especially for those in financially challenged circumstances. Um, Until next time, have a wonderful week.